This is the Average Guy Network, and you have found Home Gadget Geeks, show number 282, recorded on October 24th, 2016. Here at Home Gadget Geeks, we cover all the favorite tech gadgets that find news, reviews, product updates, and conversation, all for the average tech guy. I'm your host, Jim Tossin, broadcasting live from the Average Guy studio. Here in a beautiful, I went out tonight on the patio mic, took some pictures of the, the sun was going down, it was blues and oranges. Beautiful. We took our first walk as a little new little family. We uh, tried out the new stroller, and man, it was just perfect weather for late October. I was like, this can't be real. Well, is this the first podcast since you had the baby? This is the very first one. All right. Well, so we'll catch, I'll save that. We'll oh, catch it. Hold it. We'll hold that. We'll, we'll catch up. Right. Too, and we'll introduce our guest here in just a second. Uh, of course, we post a show with world-class show notes each week out at TheAverageGuy.tv. Don't forget, you can, also jo- you can also join us live on the new mobile app. And, man, all kinds of crazy things going on at Spreaker. Maybe we'll talk about that here with Dave in a little bit. But, of course, uh, we have that mobile app available for you on Spreaker. I want to thank LastPass for their sponsorship of it. Easiest way to get that, and that's really the best way to listen mobile on the road, is in the Spreaker app. Uh, it streams better than anything I've used or seen yet. Go to HomeGadgetGeeks.com. Big buttons for both iPhone and Android. Just for my fat thumbs, you can get either one of those right there. Don't don't go Android if you're iPhone, and don't go iPhone if you're Android. You can't cross the streams. You do not want to cross <laughs> the streams. But HomeGadgetGeeks.com. And uh, you can get those downloaded. Of course, Home Gadget Geeks is a part of the Geeks Network. Find the links to this show and many other great podcasts out at thegeeksnetwork.com. And we now have a Patreon link available for you. Uh, now that Amazon has ditched us, and we covered that two weeks ago in the solo show that I did, uh, the really the best way to support the podcast, if you want to do that, is out there through our Patreon link. Head out to theaverageguy.tv and look in the right-hand sidebar there, and you'll see a Patreon icon just click on it and we have plans as low as a dollar if you want to jump in and join us and we appreciate you doing that many of you did we'll talk about that here at the end of the show all right it's been off and on and on and off and we've been all over the country mike i ran into you in uh, dc a couple weeks ago we had a good time uh out there i did a solo show in the process as well and then you you had this little thing that yeah very early unexpected this new little thing let's see here if i can show a picture to the people who are watching via video um let's try that there can you guys see that at all let me make sure you're full screen here oh one second there you go you're in oh there we go yeah okay yeah so that is a baby emmett emmett andrew weger and Emmett was born three weeks early, actually. So he came uh, a little earlier than we were expecting. And as you guys know, since I saw Jim out in D.C., I travel for work now every single week. So D.C. is where I'm at. So we got very lucky that it happened to be on a weekend um, because I'm home every weekend. And then I just called work and said, hey, so I just had the baby. I know it's three and a half weeks earlier than I told you, but uh, I'm going to have to stay home for the next two weeks. So it's been great. We're on the tail end of the two weeks now. So he came on the 15th. And a little bundle of joy, I tell you, it changes everything. Jim tried to warn me. He said, dude, it's going to change everything. I believed him, but man, I did not realize to what extent uh, until yeah. recently. But he's awesome. Been loving having him around. Like I said, went for the first family walk tonight, tested out his stroller. And it's just, it's been awesome. Huge, huge changes. The first vlog that you did after you had yeah. Emmett is really, really good. So if you're a regular listener to Home Gadget Geeks, get out there and find that. Probably easiest way to do is just look up Mike on his uh, on his Facebook page. And is it thirty five? 
Mike, I want to say your blog uh, number. 30. Yeah, I think it was 35. So youtube.com slash Mike Weger, M-I-K-E-W-I-E-G-E-R. We'll get you there. And yeah, we did one. And actually the funny part about that vlog is since it was so early, I had planned, I had two vlogs in the can and then I said, well, we can't, we got to put this one out now. So I just scrunched them all into one. So Jim is actually in that episode uh, with the baby because two days before I was with him. And yeah, we had just been together. Game. We had just yeah. been together. So I combined cool. it all into one. It was a lot of fun. Well, Mike, congratulations. And thank uh, you. Yeah. You know, it's, it's all, all good. And well, we'll follow you. The fun thing is we'll do this for a while and we'll watch uh, baby. Exactly. Well, a guy who says all the time, cause I podcast him with all the time. And he says on his show all the time, babies kill podcasts, right? <laughs> Dave Jackson, Dave, how are you, man? Good to have you on my show. Yeah, it's fun. They do. It's, um, they're so needy. They're really selfish. You know, they don't Poop seem all the to, time. Yeah. They don't seem to care that you're like, look, daddy is recording now. I don't I'm care hungry. that you're hungry. Yeah. It's all about them. Yeah. Luckily we're still in the stage though, where he has to be with mom for feeding. So, right. uh, so, th- so that works out pretty well, but in, in the coming months, I'm sure things will change. In that regard. No, they always do. Well, Dave podcasts, or actually I podcast with Dave on his show, Saturday mornings. Askthepodcastcoach.com uh, if you ever want to join us to do that. I've talked about that here a bunch, so most of you probably had the opportunity to do it. Saturday mornings, 930 Central is uh, where you can catch that. Dave, you've been podcasting a long time. Give us a quick, just give us a little quick bio on you so we know who you are. Uh, podcasting since 2005. Founded the School of Podcasting. Uh, director of podcasting for the New Media Expo, author of the book More Podcast Money, uh, tech support. You work, you, you work at Libsyn? Yeah, tech support at Libsyn. Um, yeah. been, but, b- before that, I, I was a corporate trainer for 20 years, teaching people a lot of Microsoft like stuff. Kind and, of a tech nerd, right? I mean, you're always, yeah. you've been in the tech space a long time. You've seen a lot of changes go on, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, I remember, you know, fax machines. I, I used to, I, I, I literally used to teach a class on how to surf the internet. Because nobody knew what it was, you know, and it was a lot of hotbot, a lot of light ghosts. Well, we should back up a little bit. What the heck's it? Uyghur's like, what's a fax machine? <laughs> yeah. Isn't that you mean email, right? That's what you're talking about is email. No, before email, there was <laughs> you know, like, to get the right answers for things, yeah. things that are the facts. <laughs> the beautiful thing, there was this fax machine, and you would put a piece of paper in it, and you would type in somebody's phone number. And it would make this sound like a cat being turned inside out. It was literally like, (laughs) and then you'd see the paper go through. And on the other end, it looked like it was not good. (laughs) And so you'd get this somewhat copy of it. And so it was great for things that you had to sign. You could sign it, you know, doctors and things like that. But um, contracts, all sorts of stuff. But it just beat. Because it was kind of pre-email, you know. But I've been shocked. There are still people who use fax and prefer fax. Uh, like yeah. I know at work for our corporate credit card, you actually had to fax something in. And I was walking around the office. It was my first day, and I'm like, "Do you have a fax machine?" Yeah. And like, "What do you need to fax?" And uh, it's it, people still use it, which shocks me. I just love the fact that that noise came out, and nobody said maybe we should find a way to. To come up with a better noise, maybe it or should make a ding sound, or yeah, or no, they could have muted it. Like, yeah. what? Why was that's totally engineer driven to make sure? Because you know those guys are listening for the squawks and the squeaks, and is yeah. it going through and is it working? And then nobody turned it off. Yeah. You know, it was, yeah. it was like, hey guys, there's like on the old modems, right? Um, there's yeah. no reason why we had to hear those sounds. They just some engineer said, I want to make sure this thing is working, and so they enabled the sound on the card, and then. 
you know, went out to the, and at the time, nobody knew we didn't want to hear that stuff, you know? Right. So that's nah, crazy stuff. Well, you've been, Dave, uh, I've been podcasting with you three, I want to say three, two, two, three years. I think it's I, longer than that. I, I, I met you three years ago. I interviewed you on my show. We did, we did a home tech. That's back when it was still home tech. We did with these things called home, home tech interviews. Home tech, and I we talked about podcasting gear. I had you on my show. I had Daniel and Ray. Boom, boom, boom. I did the three of you together, and then I never went back to those kinds of episodes again. We just kind of stayed <laughs> home gadget stuff, and eventually changed to home gadget geeks. Uh, but you're a tech guy at heart, and uh, I love hanging out with you. And tonight, I wasn't sure if I was going to get Mike the show, and we wanted to. I wanted to definitely do a show, so I brought you on, and then Mike said he could be here. So I thought the three of us could talk some tech. We um, This has been a crazy week in the tech world because both Apple and Microsoft made major announcements. We're going to kind of go through those, Dave. Feel free to chime in uh, mm-hmm. here. It, towards the end of the show, Dave and I do a whole bunch of work, and Mike does too, around kind of web streaming platforms when we think of Facebook Live and Google Hangouts. We're going to talk about those because we talk about them in the podcasting world all the time, but we wanna, we're going to kind of say from the average guy perspective, what is out there and what could be used and what should you be using or could you be using at this point? So we'll cover here at the very end. Mike, uh, let's start with on the Apple side. Uh, they had some a couple small little announcements. Didn't seem <laughs> like the big punch that we've had in the past. They kind of like, oh, yeah, we have a new MacBook, and then they were gone. So talk a little bit about what they what did Apple announce this week. Well, and that was interesting, right? Because their whole tagline was very, hey, we're going to announce some really cool stuff, some really interesting stuff. And then when we got to the actual announcement, it was, like you said, it kind of dropped off a little bit. And that's why I'm kind of excited to hear from you guys on on the big Microsoft announcements, because that seems to be overshadowing the Apple news, even within the Apple ecosystem. It's it's interesting because all the Apple people are like, well, man, why couldn't we have had an announcement like Microsoft? And that's the first time, one of the first times that that's been a real thing that us Apple fanboys have been saying is, hey, why couldn't we have had an announcement like them? We don't, we don't like to admit that very often, but this was one of the first weeks. But um, nonetheless, they did announce some new, new items. So the first up, they started with Apple TV. And yes, different than the Apple TV actual hardware. That's why it's going to be hard to differentiate this. I, I thought the naming convention was kind of interesting, but there is now a TV app on the Apple TV and a TV app on your iOS devices where really all it seemed to be to me was just a one-stop shop for all of your TV applications that you are to use. So think watch ESPN, TBS, TNT, all of those apps, CBS, all the apps that you have where you can watch live TV it pretty much brings them all into one. Really, the only interesting part of it for me was the Siri integration. So because it knows all the apps that you have, you can ask Siri for things like the Nebraska football game. You can ask her for things like other college football sports, and it will curate those for you and show you all the options. So it does seem like a nice application to use if you do use a lot of these online things. The one thing for me, though, was that uh, at least for me, my Cox subscription, so my cable, because you still have to have a cable subscription, right? Because you still have to log into all these apps. It didn't fix that issue. And there's been rumors for the past few years that Apple is going to have a, you know, kind of a service where you would pay Apple and they would have deals with all of these providers. But that's just not the case. This is where you are still logging into all of your individual apps and this pulls it all in together. So for me, my Cox cable box actually has voice recognition. I can ask the box for certain things, for a channel, for sports, for anything like that. 
and it works. So for me, it's going to be kind of hard to think of any benefit to switch over and use the Apple TV app. But nonetheless, I'm sure there is a customer base for it. And it is kind of nice now that it pulls it all into one instead of having 50 different apps and the Siri integration is kind of nice. So that was actually a little bit of a surprise announcement at the beginning because it didn't flow with the rest of the Mac announcement. And then the rest of the announcement was simply about the MacBook Pro. No new iMac, no new Mac Pro, simply just the MacBook Pro. And so some of the big highlights, you know, it wouldn't be Apple if it wasn't thinner, lighter, sexier, just simply amazing, the best product that they have ever put out into the market, as they like to say. Uh, It does look really nice. They have now just the standard silver color, and they also have the space gray. If you look at your iPhones, they have that blackish color. They have two different options there, 13-inch, 15-inch. And the major upgrade, the first thing you kind of see is, for me, I don't know. I I was kind of iffy on it. It's called the touch bar. So the touch bar up at the top of the keyboard now, instead of the function keys, you know, they kind of made fun of the function keys. You know, it's a 40 year old piece of technology that we've kept around till now. So we're going to eliminate it. And so now they have a retina display, thin bar that runs along the top of your keyboard where your function keys used to be. And because it's a display and it's a touch display, it can adapt to whatever app you're using. So think about if you are in a video editing app, that bar changes. So you can scrub through your footage. You can do all sort of editing with that bar. The It also obviously has the menu items that you're kind of used to, your volume up and down, your brightness, but kind of an interesting concept when it comes to a bar that adapts to whatever app you're using. For instance, when you open up Safari, all of your favorites, all those fave icons show up on the touch bar now. So you can just reach up and touch it on the keyboard. I don't know how much easier that is than actually using your mouse to go up and click your favorite, but it's interesting. It's kind of a new concept for them, but more importantly, I think more important than having a bar up there to change the function icon with that bar it allowed them to bring Touch ID to the laptop, which is something we've all been wanting to be able to authenticate. We all love it on our iPhones and iPads, a very quick way, because not only do we use that to open up our device, which that's a main feature, but we also use it for things like Apple Pay, for things that the device knows it can authenticate. So now in the top right-hand corner where the power button is, that is also a Touch ID sensor. So for things like Apple Pay, logging in, Uh, LastPass, all that sort of stuff will be able to integrate so you can just touch it. Now, (laughs) I kind of laughed at that too because we love Touch ID, but how long have fingerprints been on laptops? It's been a long, long time. My dad's work laptop from like 2003 had a little fingerprint reader. Now these ones hopefully will work a little bit better. But overall, the Touch Bar was an interesting idea. To me, it seems a little gimmicky, but I'm always kind of the first one to call a gimmicky item when I see it. And then I end up using it. I'm like, okay, that's pretty cool. I, when Touch ID first came out, I was kind of like, eh, a little bit gimmicky, not that big um, when it came to the iPhone. And now it's a feature that I can't live without. I go to my old iPad and I go and press that home button. And when it doesn't unlock, it makes me frustrated. So I kind of like it. So besides the touch bar, they have... Mike, so yeah. touch bar, but not still not touch screen, right? Still not touch screen. No, just the touch bar up top is the only touch part, which I think makes sense. You know, they've gone back and forth with doing the touch screen. Do we do a little piece that's touch? So the fact that they were able to get touch ID in there, and you know that's the only reason they did it because they needed somewhere to put touch ID and they figured, okay, we can make an entire strip, make it a little more useful, have a little bit more of a wow factor than just having a corner or a button that has touch ID in it. The new, 
how do you feel about you just bought a new Mac, right? I did. And I was just telling Hannah after they announced these, and we'll get to the reason why here in just a little bit, I am extremely glad that I bought the highest end Mac Pro that they offered um, in the 13 inch. I got the 13 inch, the highest, um, most beefy processor and RAM. And I'm super glad I got it now. And that just kind of takes us into the next point of what they changed was the peripherals, the connections into the computer. I am someone who I love my HDMI port. I think it is for me, one of the most useful ports. I travel a lot. And when I go to a hotel, plug into the TV, watch Netflix on there at home, I use it for my external monitors. And with the new laptops, they, instead of having any other port, the only ports that you have, you have one headphone jack, which was also a surprise because of the iPhone now that it doesn't. So they are still giving you a headphone port. But besides that, you get four USB type C slash Thunderbolt three ports. So it's a USB type C or it's a Thunderbolt three port. And those ports are used for absolutely everything. Now, this isn't really a surprise coming from Apple. We all kind of saw this. It was actually one of the reasons I had no problem pulling the trigger on this laptop, knowing that they had an announcement coming up because I knew I probably wouldn't be too keen on that. But uh, the USB type C, the only part that I don't really, really don't like is that they got rid of their MagSafe power adapters. And for any Mac users out there, the MagSafe power adapter is just the best thing that they've ever put on their laptop because it just comes right off. I can just pull it right off. There we go. And so when people trip over it, when now my new baby comes in and he's grabbing all the cords, it just comes right off. And now with the new laptops, you power it all through that USB Type-C port. So kind of interesting. They switched everything up. Not uh, They don't have an SD card slot, which... I might be a little bit old school, but for my video editing, it's really nice to be able to pop that SD card out of my Nikon, pop it into my computer and not have to worry about a dongle or an adapter or anything like that. So just a few things there where I see the future, I see where they're trying to go, but for a portable laptop and for one of their pro line laptops, I think this was an okay change for some of their lower ends as in their MacBook Air. Uh, but they've kind of hinted because they do have a cheaper version of this MacBook Pro uh, that is not technically the MacBook Pro and they didn't update the airs. I don't think they're going to be updating the airs as often or at all going forward. And just for me, as a power laptop, I think you need more inputs than four USB type C connections. But I think think so. Well, mainly just because I don't know, as a pro device, I don't want to be carrying around a bunch of dongles. I expect dongles when I am using a completely portable, super slim, super small thing, such as an iPad, a MacBook Air. But if I'm paying the money for a MacBook Pro, I kind of don't want to have to worry about the dongles. But with the uh, Thunderbolt Type 3, you do get the ability to do 5K displays. And they did partner up with some display manufacturers. So you could run, I think is it two or three 5K displays off of those ports, which is kind of nice. So they beefed up the graphics, uh, the graphic card in there. Uh, as far as processors, they stayed the same. You know, you still have the the standard, the i5, the i7, the latest gen models of those. So you get a little bump in processor speed. Graphics was mainly what they focused on. But besides all that, and then they added in a gen two of the butterfly keyboard, which I am a fan of. They introduced these into their MacBook line a while ago to kind of test them out. Uh, the travel on the keys is noticeable yet a lot less than on the Mac, the current gen MacBook pros. So it's a nice keyboard to use. They modified it a little bit, I guess they called it the second gen butterfly keyboard. They just have to call it that so they can sell more of them. Uh, and then a two times larger trackpad 
which is also interesting to me because I do like the size. I think the Mac trackpads are some of the best trackpads you can get on the laptops today. So really besides that though, that was it. And I think that's why everyone said that the Mac announcement really fell short was because we had all this hoopla of hello again, you know, we're, we're going to see this new Mac line and the intro video that they did before this was all about, you know, the first laptop that they put out and they, everyone kind of laughed about it because it was, you know, interesting, the design wise and how it's come so far. And then they really didn't do much to improve it. And they didn't update the iMac line, which people I know want. They didn't update any other uh, line, but you know, in Apple's defense, they've updated the iMac since the last MacBook refresh. If you actually look at my specs, I just bought this computer. It says it's an early 2015 model. So that's how long it's been since early 2015, since the last time they did a MacBook reboot. So, but still, uh, yeah, good update. Some nice new features. No reason to rush out and get a new MacBook Pro if you have a nice working one now. But I think as, a, as, as we start to update in the future, It'll be welcomed. Hard- hardware refresh yeah. is really what it was. It's really uh, all it was. I don't think anything new or, or you know, Dave, you run a Mac uh, in your, don't you have a little? Uh, I have a little iMac, for, yeah, a little, yeah. little hockey puck. A little hockey puck that you use for podcasting, and it, it just does what you need it to do, right, most of the time? Yeah, I mean, I just use it to, you know, if somebody needs to learn how to play an Ecamm call recorder, or I heard so many people talk about Scrivener that I, went out you know have scrivener on it a couple little mac centric programs on it so nothing too crazy yeah well mike i think it's interesting because we had one day we i and i can't remember which one went first uh the mac announcement was just this morning oh okay so window so microsoft went first and uh in the microsoft announcement uh they really uh blew it out from a hardware perspective with this new uh surface studio uh, which you haven't seen those yet. You want to go out and take a look. A very interesting 28-inch screen. It's got a zero, they, I think they call it a zero-gravity uh, touch, so you can go all the way from uh, straight up all the way down to a 20-degree angle, back and forth. So you can move that, so you can lean that thing down and work on it. And of course, it's a Surface device, so you can put your hands on it and write on it and lean on it and all those other things uh, available with the Pro. Um, some pretty gigantic specs, though, uh, when we think about this 28-inch pixel-sense display. Um, running an i7 processor th- up to 32 gig of RAM and uh, two terabytes of storage. Uh, it's going to start at three grand. Holy apple. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. Three grand. Holy apple, right? For uh, all of a sudden, it's a weird world <laughs> that we live in. The, they did a Surface. They have a new Surface refresh, too, on the hardware side. So if you're in the Surface, uh, Surface Pro line, um, they, had a, they have a, a new version of that coming out in i7, some updates. That starts at 2300 And so it was like, yikes. Uh, now, get, that being said, uh, most people that are buying in that, I mean, your laptop, you got a nice discount on it, but you still spent $1,500, $1,600, right, on that? Oh, yeah. More yeah. than that. More yeah, than yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Right and at the two grand mark, I think, is what the retail was. For, for people doing, it's like podcasters and microphones, right, Dave? For, for people who, this is their business, it makes sense to drop, uh, what, Dave, what are we coming in for you? What, what's that microphone in front of you right now? This one's 300. Um, you know, if you go with a high OPR 40, that's like 350 plus by the time you get the stand and the special shock mount, you're looking at 600 bucks. Yeah. Yeah. But those are tools, right? Right. I mean, those are tools for the trade. And if you're going to be doing this kind of stuff long-term or making money from it, if, you were doing, Dave, uh, if you were doing voiceover work and getting paid for it all the time, 
you would want to invest in that kind of money because that that makes you money, right? And so um, I, we, I got some feedback from you and the, you guys in the chat room about, yikes, you know, at the $3,000 price point. Dave, you're just going to run out, right? You're just running out and getting a 3000 Is that a buy dollar. one, get one free deal? <laughs> Kind of <laughs> well, imagine having uh, dual 28-inch monitors that are like, I think they're they're 45, they're 3,000 by 4,500 pixels type deal. Well, imagine have two of those side by side when you're podcasting. How sweet would that be? Nice. My whole thing is when I think service, I think of like an iPad with, with the little keyboard that oh, flips around on it and everything else. Yeah. Who's lugging around a 28-inch, you know? No, no, no. It's not carry. It's not yeah. carry. It's on a stand. It's, <laughs> yeah. you know. It's meant to stay. Right. It's kind of meant to stay. It's that all-in-one, right? It's that all-in-one concept. Uh, but yeah, you're right. It's it is a big, uh, it is a big surface, and it will be interesting to see. I think Microsoft has learned their lessons, and uh, they will come out in limited quantities here at Christmas. Maybe even limited quantities enough that you won't be able to find them, and there'll be a little bit of a rush on them. In other words, hey, you know, even though they're expensive, if they can't be found, sometimes that creates a need that doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so one of the, I think Mike one and, and Dave both, I think one of the interesting gadgets that came out of this, which I think is absolutely worthless, but it, it, I think it has some potential is what's called the surface dial. And so this dials, it's a new input device for Microsoft. It works with their surface line and think about being able to pick up a physical, like your mouse, but turn it into a circle like the nest, right? And you set it on your screen and the screen recognizes what kind of device that is. And you can spin it right there on your screen. Now, surface, so it matters because it's laying, you know, it's laying down or a device that's laying down. And then you can turn that dial and draw or whatever you want to do. And it's an, it's another way of getting input in for into the device. And so for designers and stuff like that, Dave, imagine if for us, if that dial was moving the, you know, was moving the line down the audio file and right. you could just be tuning it instead of dragging your mouse, right? You could be tuning it left and tuning it. Right. Um, interesting. It was, it's the weirdest thing I ever saw. Pick up a dial, you put it on your screen, whoop, it pops up, it recognizes it and becomes an input device. 99 bucks. I think maybe one of the weirdest devices I've ever seen, but Maybe out of that whole announcement, the one that might have the most potential for the future along those lines. It'll be interesting to see, you know, because sometimes, you know, if we look at a lot of different technology, Twitter is one that people are like, I don't get it. You know, so that might be something where you're going, yeah, I don't. Okay, I get it. You twist, you yeah. turn it, you're like, and then all of a sudden there's going to be this new app that comes out for, you know, graphic artist people and they're just going to go crazy with it. So Yeah. Well, I think it could be cool as a mouse where that round thing is a mouse and you got some clicker and then you can just pick it up and set it on the screen and have that kind of have that control. Again, it's one of those things, you know, you get too many things on the screen and and you got to change your workflow and, you know, some of those things, Mike, you were going to say something. Well, no, I'm, I'm still just shocked at the price point, right? So $3,000 only gets you an I five with eight gig of Ram. And I'm just thinking of the use case for this sort of device is a very, graphic intensive cpu hungry application i'm thinking of the adobe suite mm. and things like that so i'm just wondering what i i guess my question is why that price point what makes it worth three thousand dollars i'm looking at all other competitive items that are in the market and for an i5 of eight gig it's just hard to throw three thousand at that yeah it's not a retail play right i mean they're they are definitely saying hey here's what could be done we're going to sell these unlimited quantities you know, right. we, we've probably had 10,000 of these things made. 
and they're going to be hard as hell to find. And um, you can buy it if you want. Now, right behind this. So this, this is the Mac Pro equivalent. This is the cylinder is. trash can Mac Pro that we all, you know, it's, it's their equivalent. You don't sell many. You go to a very specific industry and, and that's your play. I do think there's a space for when we think about this convertible all-in-one idea. So in other words, it can stand up as a screen for me when I'm working on it. But there are going to be applications when I'm going to want to push that screen down and get more of a flat surface and either writing on it. I mean, just think about signing documents or some of those kinds of things. Dave's, I think in some of the video editing or both audio and video, both, if we had those pro tools that allowed for more gesture driven editing and we got used to it today. I don't know about you. I'm a mouse editor, right? That's keyboard and mouse. When I edit, I think I've even heard you talk about when you edit, you're able to see a wave, click on it. You do a few key things and boom, it's gone, right? That's it. I can, I can spot an um at 20 paces at this point. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and, but that's our workflow. And, and I'm thinking uh, Microsoft's uh, trying to say, Hey, here's some alternative ways of doing these things that in a different surface, no pun intended, on a different kind of surface <laughs> that that uh, may be interesting. And I again, it's they've been real famous in the last couple of years of all these reference devices of some kind that the OEMs provide. So I don't think, you know, all-in-ones have gotten really stagnant. If you go into Best Buy, there's four of them and they're all the same, right? It's a Dell it's an Asus, it's an Acer, it's an Asus, right? They're all the same. They're all 25 inches or 24 inches. They're all running, you know, they all don't move very well, that type of stuff. And I think Microsoft's saying, hey guys, there's with using the Surface product and some of the Windows 10 software we have, I think there's some new applications for this and some new ways of using this. So that's what I think when we when I think of what Microsoft's trying to do, I think they're trying to inspire some innovation, not lose their shirt like they did on Surface, the, the original Surface, which they took a you know billion dollar write down on because they produced too much equipment ouch yeah so uh, c- can you fold this up and take it with you is it that kind of device no it definitely okay. has a stand on it and that stand has this you know it's weighted it's weighted perfectly so you can literally just touch the top of the screen and push it down and it will okay. go in any of those angles between whatever this is and 20 degrees uh type deal so uh, kind of interesting, I think, for, for the rest of us, for everybody else, a couple of their announcements. We now know that Redstone 2, so the update for Windows 10 that is coming in the spring, which we all know, I think by now it's going to be March, uh, that, that update is coming, is going to be called the Creator's Update. Now, in the release, they talked about some interesting a new 3D or a focus on 3D content. So being able to develop, there's a 3D paint module now built into Windows 10, or it's coming with Windows 10, where you can create items in 3D if that's what you want to do. Again, I don't think that I st- I, we're not ready for 3D. I don't think people really want 3D. I just don't, you know, but it it seems to be doable. And then mixed reality. And this is where I think the 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 application, we have way more of an application with when we think of VR or uh, augmented or virtual reality, either one of those, um, I think the three of us could be doing this podcast via virtual reality. And it would be pretty cool if we had a completely immersive experience where we're seeing each other in a room and that part is being recorded. I mean, imagine Dave doing a podcast where we're not recording us talking heads, but all three of us virtually enter a room and we can do different camera angles in the room and you know that kind of stuff. That could get kind of interesting on a virtual reality standpoint and recording it that way, don't you think? Oh, absolutely. And uh, it's going to be interesting to see, you know, over the next 
five, 10 years with virtual reality, if not sooner. Cause I just, I know, I think it was Robert De Niro of all people got to play with virtual reality. Somebody, I don't know if he was going to study for a part or whatever. And he said, it's, he goes, it, it really messes with your head. Oh yeah. Yeah. Because your brain thinks it's seeing one thing and it's, you're, you're not. Yeah. It's, it's bizarre. So. Mike, did you, did, have you messed with the goggles? Have you done anything with those? I, they yet? had a booth set up, I think, at the mall that I played with for just a little bit. And and to your point, it was a really bad experience because it was about a year ago, maybe a year and a half ago. But you saw the potential in it, and you get excited for the different mm-hmm. ideas of what you could do. Yeah. Uh, I think of training for certain technical jobs. I think it would be really cool for pilots or for you know mechanics when you're thinking about looking at what you're looking at, doctors. Um, actually, there's a lot of really cool tech uh, with virtual reality in the medical education field. My friend is in med school right now, and they're already starting to use some of those techniques to be able to go in and do a surgery and have it be all virtual. And it's got, it hasn't gotten to the point where he's wearing a headset yet, but it's close. And I, I just see so many applications. So I, I'm like you, Jim. I'm just excited and waiting for it to get that much better. Yeah. Dave, remember the box of uh, – we'd go into the big box computer stores, uh, and they would just be shelves and shelves and shelves of software that nobody, oh, yeah. nobody was buying. <laughs> yeah. and that, but that was – I mean, the early days of PCs, all we had is software. And everybody wrote software, and there were you know 15 typing applications and 55 budget applications. And I think in this space, when we think about the multi-uses of both the PC now, because it's gotten so good from a form factor standpoint – then when we think of virtual and, and augmented reality, that we're on the early, early, early stages of like this is now we're in Comp USA. <laughs> Did you have a Comp USA? Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> we're now in Comp USA, and there's just walls of stuff that nobody's buying because we don't know how to use it yet, right? Yeah. Or we don't have a lot of those a lot of those needs or, or uses. It's getting better. Uh, but but I think we we still have some time for it. One one of the things that I think is dead out of the out of the shoe DOA is what I put here in the notes is they had a new uh, a Windows People is what they're calling it. It's a unified messaging app for Windows 10, and so you can tie Skype and Facebook Messenger and all these other messaging devices into one place. Uh, guys, we tried to do this on Windows Phone like four years ago, and nobody wanted it, and everybody blocked it. So Microsoft went back to this unified messaging app kind of around this idea of gaming, right? They want to game. They want you to game, and then you chat with your friends while you're gaming. They know everybody talks smack while they're doing that. Well, I think that's DOA. I just don't see that ever taking off. What I do see taking off, though, is Xbox Live streaming, Mike, is coming for you. So now natively out of Xbox, you can stream your content out, and there'll be some ways for folks to consume it and see it. This is really the Twitch, right? This, this is Twitch. Yeah, I was going to say, because it, it's been around. It just hasn't been native to the Xbox. It's been uh, through Twitch and other applications. It, it's on the box. You can just set it up and hit stream. But I'm really excited to see because I'm sure all the Twitch streamers are excited because as of right now, you still need a beefy, and, and they'll still do it this way because they have all the overlays, but you need a beefy PC running next to you when you're streaming because it has to pull in the video, you add in your overlays, your donation counter and all that stuff and sends it back out. But this could be really powerful, especially, I think this could be interesting 
if they introduce it next year, because they've already introduced the next gen console for Xbox. And it's going to be, they said it is the console to compete with heavy PC gamers. They said, this is the console that is no joke. It's not limited on specs. This will be just like your beefy gaming rig, except for in a console type box. So I think they're starting to get this stuff ready for next December when they announce that new box. And you have all these really heavy gamers who go on there. And all of a sudden you do have the capability from your one console box to do live streaming with everything you want. Now, it's not going to be possible on their current Gen Xbox One, but it will be in the future. So I think they're just prepping the scene there. So it gets me excited to see that next-gen console next December. So it gets me thinking. Streaming, Dave, you and me, this is a world, and you too, Mike, we live in on podcasting, and yet the gamers share all the good streaming stuff, right? I mean, it's, if you want to talk about streaming and, and Twitch and some of those... We as podcasters have been using Hangouts, and there's a whole variety of things. But, Dave, let me ask you this question. If a game console would you, – if you could plug in a decent camera and a microphone, uh, you know, uh, USB-driven mixer so you could run your RE20 or some of those kinds of things, would you – and it and all the podcasting stuff work? Would you buy a game uh, like an Xbox as a podcasting rig if it worked really well? It would all depend on if my target audience – like, what do they need to get it? Like, if they have to buy that to get it, no, because nobody, you know, I'll be stupid enough to buy the gear to do it, but nobody's going to buy that gear just to consume it, I would yeah. think. Well, I mean, uh, a gaming gaming boxes typically have some pretty good hardware on them, especially oh, yeah. when we think about video. Oh, yeah. And um, audio is easy, right? An audio codex you could do on a, on a phone, and it would still it sound the same <laughs> on a phone as it would as a Core i7, but... Video is super intense. I just kind of think, and Mike, let me ask you and your generation, if you could rig up your Xbox and it was good and you could you could be doing what you're doing now from your laptop, would you just come in from your from your um, Xbox? The, the setting for me isn't right. I think that's the one problem. Uh, for a lot of people, their Xbox is in their room, but mine's in the living room. It yeah. would be a terrible condition for me. The lighting's terrible in there. It's just not a good place. Plus, that's where Hannah is right now, watching TV. You know, would you buy a podcast. second? Would you use I've, that as a dedicated I've already thought about that. Yeah. yeah, I would. I think I would. Because I love, love the Xbox ecosystem. I mean, I've been on that bandwagon for a long time, and I'm actually in the preview ring, and it's only getting better and better. The experience on there is amazing. Just a little plug to their games are getting just that much better. I spent the best $50 I've ever spent. I pre-ordered Battlefield 1, and the just the type of games they're making are incredible. So if I could have one box that allowed me to do amazing gaming and podcasting and all that stuff, yeah, I'd definitely consider it. Do they have anything with TV on the X, I'm completely Xbox illiterate. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. man, you want to get me talking. I love the integration with the TV on the X. Something that you tell your Xbox what kind of cable provider you have. And then with the Connect, because the Connect has an IR blaster on it, your Connect, your Xbox controller, you can control your cable box. The Xbox has a better guide than 99% of cable boxes out there. <laughs> um, so you pop up the Xbox guide and I say, I want to watch this. And it's IR blasts your cable box and changes the channel for you. So it's all integrated all in one. The nice. IR blaster can turn on and off your TV. 
So the Xbox is the only thing you need to power up if you want to have a all-in-one box in your living room. And it's, it's phenomenal. And then you switch over to Netflix. It has all the apps you could ever want. It's got mm. Plex built in there. It is the one box you need for your living room. And I, I'm just a full believer <laughs> in that. And I hope they continue down it. There's been signs that they're kind of going away from it. And it kind of makes me sad. They haven't had too many updates uh, to the TV side of things. But I hope they don't go away from it because it's my favorite mm. feature. Because I saw where Sony is hinting that with PlayStation 10 or whatever they're on these days, um, that eventually going to get to start to choose the channels you want. And I went, oh, that right. would be cool. So, yeah, yeah, see, and, and they're going in different directions. Well, as, at least they are now. So PlayStation wants you to pay for their, is it View? It's PlayStation something. It's like a service that you pay for and you get a certain amount of channels. Mm. And that's fine and great. I'm actually one of the weird ones. I don't mind having a cable subscription. I really don't. I kind of like it. I like having access to the ESPN because I'm a huge sports guy. We watch so many games. I have NFL Red Zone for the weekend. And so for me, the Xbox works better because I don't mind having cable. It plugs right in and I don't need to worry about anything else. I don't have any other fees because the Xbox doesn't charge me anything except for to have Xbox Live for a year, which is 60 bucks. But besides that, everything else is just running off what you currently have. So they're, they're going in different directions there. I think Xbox says, hey, bring what you want to our system and we'll give you a great display up onto your TV. And PlayStation's kind of saying, hey, we could make some money if we offered them an all-in-one, kind of the way Sling TV does. Sling right. TV is kind of that one app that you can pay for and get some channels. I think PlayStation's trying to do their own version of the Sling TV. Interesting. Yeah. So yeah, well, depending on what you want, if you're a cable, if you're a cord cutter, if you're Jim, maybe the PlayStation sounds more appealing because, hey, on the PlayStation, I can go grab uh, this new service from PlayStation and have a few of the cable channels that I don't have. For someone like me who uh, is a cable provider or a cable subscriber, Xbox works fine. Well, it just was an interesting thought since we're all podcasters and it was like, you know, hey, what what if they would start paying attention, you know, the game makers and say, hmm, you know, add a camera and you, you plug in your USB mic and here's some podcasting apps or or, or whatever connectivity uh, with the Xbox now having a Windows 10 at its core. There would be some availability of using some of the things that we do, a hangout, whatever. I would think those boxes would be really well designed for the podcaster. It's all GPU. It's all memory. It's all fast, super fast stuff to get that uh, to get that stuff out there. Now, Mike, to your point, they're always in the living room, and so yeah. you would have to buy one for your desk, which means now you have two. Right. Goes back to Dave's point before: is it on two for one special? Well, maybe if it's a two for one special, I would think about. And the one problem with that too is Xbox still has not come up with a good solution for multiple Xboxes in the home running different accounts. So if you have two Xboxes, you need to you can't have them both on at the same time from one account. So that means you're paying for multiple Xbox live subscriptions for each box. So that could be $60 a year, which isn't that much to be honest, 60 bucks a year. Um, But it is still a consideration. They still need to kind of figure that out where you could have a household account kind of like, I don't know if Microsoft has any version of like this, but Apple has their family account where you have, everyone can have their own iTunes account or their iCloud account. Then you also have a family account I think Microsoft needs to figure out something like that, especially you're, you're starting to think if you have a lot of kids and if you maybe you have two Xboxes in the home, if you have a lot of boys or even if the dad like me has one and then <laughs> Emmett ends up having one in a few years. So they haven't figured that out yet. But yeah, you're right. Multiple Dude, devices. Yours. When are you going to let Emmett have an Xbox? That's the question. When am I or when is yeah. his mom? No. They're, they're, they're a little bit different. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, that's true. Well, interesting discussion uh, as we think about those both those announcements. I think both of them have some reaching implications. Um, maybe not the Apple one so much, but but Microsoft for sure is trying some new things in the space that could really change things. And so I just I, I think it was an inter- interesting week. Nothing earth shattering or shaking or or changing things around, but um, no really big uh, announcements to change anybody's world. But uh, interesting nonetheless. Dave, uh, when I asked you to come on, one of the things I wanted the two of us and uh, br- bring Mike in, in this conversation too, is it seems like, uh, and, and I want to, um, I don't necessarily want to come at it from a podcasting perspective because a lot of the folks that listen to this show aren't podcasters, but we have been through a whole bunch of services that allow you to connect people to people via video, right? And 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 we were on Blab for a while and they weren't trying to be a podcasting platform. Everybody was using it. And I shouldn't say everybody. A lot of folks weren't. But for the average guy getting out and getting connected, connecting to their family, um, you know, today, the two obvious ones that I think most people use beyond the shadow of a doubt, Skype and Google Hangouts, right? I think and FaceTime. Well, and I'm thinking I, maybe I guess I'm thinking PC, Mike, to be honest. Oh, but sorry. Okay. But you, no, no, no. You're right. I, I don't. I am not a guy that that goes who wants to sit like this and talk to people like on my phone. And okay. yet people do. I, yeah. I, I have to see. I have to. Dave, you are Dave. All the time. Uh, PC. Dave, when you're talking to people, PC with a camera or do you do it with the phone? For me, it's usually a PC with a camera if it's podcast related. If it's family related, it's uh, FaceTime. My, my nieces are into FaceTime. Yeah, and I think maybe this is a this is one of those pure generational things with technology where because we grew up with we grew up with a camera on and Dave remember when we got cameras and you could connect to people on the internet and nobody wanted to connect. Right. <laughs> nobody wanted to turn their video on. It was so maddening. We had videos. I mean, we've had we've had video connectivity on the internet for a long time. I mean, in the early days, 97, 98, 99, I remember getting a cam and getting cable, a cable modem and being able to do it. And then I would want to connect with people and they'd be like, no, I don't, you know, don't look at me. But uh, we've mostly done our podcasting work when we're doing that. It's a camera and it's a, a microphone and earbuds. And these kids are okay with the crappy sound. And, and, and apparently you are too, Dave, but Mike, you have no hesitation to just jump on this thing from a video call standpoint, and it's as good as and, and actually the sound is really good now. So yeah, well, I use a headset, but uh, between my group of friends, we either text or FaceTime. We haven't used an actual phone call in a while because it's just easier sometimes, okay. and especially with traveling. Hannah and I are on FaceTime for <laughs> four or five hours a night. You know, but, every night. But what about Android people for you? How do you connect if it's, if it's FaceTime? I don't know any Android people. <laughs> to be per- well, I, do, I probably do. But to be perfectly honest with you, I have like six really close friends I talk with all the time. And then I have Hannah and all of my family, every one of my family members, and we are all iPhone. So it works out. It just happens to work. Dave, your iPhone? I'm an iPhone. I had a Droid many, many, when the first Droid came out. And yeah. then I just, I, I came over to the dark side and never went back. So, uh, and, yeah. and, with your family, most of them are on iPhones too. So no, actually, um, my nieces are on iPhones. My brother and sister in law are on uh, Android, and it was funny because my my niece and I were chatting back and forth on Facebook, 
And I finally just picked up the phone and called her. I said, I'm sorry. I'm your uncle. I'm old school. I said, I, you know, I don't have 20 minutes to have a two minute conversation. And so you did that. You just old school that. Yeah. She picked up the phone. I said, I'm sorry. I'm old school. I just want to talk to you. <laughs> uh, Mike, do you, when, when you're, is it always FaceTime or sometimes you just talk? No, always FaceTime. Okay. Well, okay. With my mom, I will talk. Yeah. Uh, but most times it's just FaceTime. Yeah. It's interesting. I, I didn't intend to go down this path of the mobile aspect of it. I, we, I always think from a podcasting standpoint, I always think in terms of uh, being able to do this on a PC because I like my experience on a big screen with a microphone and earbuds. Like I like the good sound of a microphone. I call When I call my mom, I call her from the studio because I, I know I'm getting good sound and I know I can hear her clearly. And she has trouble hearing me. She's 86. So she has trouble hearing me anyways on a, on a, on a bad phone. It's even harder. And she says, huh? Like, you know, 80 <laughs> times. And you're like, so what oh. do you call her through Skype? Uh, Google voice. Oh, Google voice. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Um, so that being said, um, wow, that, that went a totally different direction than I was anticipating <laughs> going. When we think of Dave, there's a few other platforms. I mentioned one blab. You and I have been experimenting with a couple others, and I'm going to throw them out there because I think it, they're they're super interesting when we think about the capabilities of them when it comes to connecting with people and maybe even recording the conversation in the process. You and I, we mentioned Blab. That came, what an experiment, right? For a year, Blab came. We were all enamored by it, and then the next day, and then a year later, just shut the doors. Goodbye. Yeah, I, I have, it's been a while since I've. Can you think of a company in the last ten years, a, a tech company that has opened, been super successful, and then just closed its doors that fast? Can you think of anything, Mike? Can you think of anything that's done that in a year? I'm trying to think so, but no, I don't think so. Yeah, it was the it was the bizarrest in Blab. It was Blab.io. Is that right? Uh, was it Blab.io yeah. or Blab.com? I think it was Blab.io. Blab.io. Yeah. Gone now. You can put that in the, if you're listening to this, you can put this in a browser and it's gone. Wait, really? Um, is, I, this is the first time no, no. I have gone. not, I have not they been shut, this whole industry. They shut the doors. I just wow. couldn't believe how fast it went. But Dave, for connectivity purposes, like getting people in a room talking, I don't know if I found anything better. I mean, can you, did you, just getting people together was really good at that. Yeah, it was awesome. I mean, Hangouts are, you know, once you've been in a Hangout, it's okay, but you have to know where to get the link and send it to people, and then they click on it, and then nothing really, in some cases, doesn't prompt you about the camera, and if it does, and it's not very intuitive. It's not hard. Once you get through your first one, it's like it's a piece of cake, but this had big, giant buttons, was like click to join, and you know, even that, even that thing with the microphone, you still had to have it, people. It had some trouble. Things. Yeah, 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 it had some trouble. But don't leave Skype on. Remember that? Don't leave yeah. Skype on. Yeah, but in, in terms of bringing people in, it was a piece of cake. Yeah, yeah. Do you think, uh, so a, a bunch of other services have popped up since Blab's success. And I have three. There might be others, but Huzzah is one. H-U-Z-Z-A dot I-O. Smile Time is another one. I haven't messed with that one yet, but I know you have. And then. Fire Talk is a third. They changed their terms and services on us. Uh, and they just changed them. They now have plans. Did you see that? No, I didn't. It, in true, I don't get this company on a business sense. If you no, go we're talking to, about Fire Talk. FireTalk.com. Yep. Because they, 
had a free service. And then their, the original business plan was if you wanted to like have a paid webinar, that's how they're going to make their money. And then they just, everybody jumped on the free plan and used it to podcast and bring people in. Well, obviously that's a lot of bandwidth and a lot of, you know, they just said, okay, well, and they changed their plan to where you could only have it, I think for 10 minutes and you could only have two people in the room. Well now and it's not on their front page still. I think you have to click on their blog link at the bottom and they have a, a professional plan, a semi-pro plan. Uh, I think the semi-pro plan is now $49 a month. So it's as expensive as uh, huzzah. You get a hundred hours a month and you can have 150 people watching where the basic plan 25 hours a month, which is probably what I would use. And you can have up to 50 people. So if I wanted to use fire talk, which I might, uh, that would be the plan I would use. And it's $15 a month. And so for most people, when we think about, they might use this to support their small business by doing webinars, right? Yeah. They may uh, in, in the, the beauty of blab is it had such a connected community in the sense you could come to the front page and see who was talking. Now it seems like huzzah fire talk. And I didn't, I worked with smile time have tried that, but haven't gotten as good of a connected community, so to speak, of a place to go watch something. I mean, it's just be crazy. You could just go out and find stuff to watch. It was like really bad television channels. But yeah. some of them were like watching train wrecks, and it was kind of interesting in that process. But do you get the feeling in these communities we're still struggling a little bit with discovery or they're kind of messy or finding things is hard? What, what are you finding? Yeah, I think that's it. And I think I haven't really paid attention. If I go to fire talks front page. I don't think the, I don't think there's any kind of like, here's who's live now. I mean, that's, what's great about there's some featured events going on on the front page. Uh, once you, once you log in, there's some uh, featured events that are coming up and then, and I don't know how you get on the featured events and then there's featured channels. Uh, our friend Ross brand, who will be on here in oh, four or five weeks, Ross is going to come in, talk a little bit about his business. Um, uh, he has a featured channel there, the yeah. Livestream Universe. He featured me on there. I, you've been on Livestream Universe, I, I think, as well uh, with Ross. But um, and you can subscribe to those channels. I don't know. It's just as it's a weird it's a weird world from that perspective. Right now, if you were thinking about those groups or maybe a new one, anything you're favoring or that you would lean on from a usage standpoint, if you wanted to do this kind of broadcasting and bringing people in. Well, the, for me, it would either be Fire Talk, depending on what you're doing. I really like another player in the game. It's not live streaming, though, but if you're doing kind of a webinar or online meeting thing where you're not looking to be discovered, Zoom.us, I love that platform for that. It's 15 bucks. You can have, I think, 10 to 15 people in a room. Everybody's got a camera. Uh, you can do whiteboarding. You can even take over somebody's mouse. You can even use it for support if you needed to. Um, that's a pretty cool program, but the the only thing that something like Fire Talk has over uh, Hangouts is it makes it a little easier to bring people in. It's not super intuitive, and um, you know, with a, a Google Hangout, you've got to kind of train people to click on the link and things like that. Where at least in Fire Talk, there's a button. I think it's a camera that uh, you you click on it, but um, it's hard to beat Google Hangouts. Really well, there's almost two categories you have here, right? We've got yeah. broadcast and non-broadcast. And you mentioned yeah. Zoom.us. I think um, from the guys that log me in, uh, Join.me, mm -hmm. right, is another one of those yeah. uh, services that when and, – and, and this is more um, probably in the realm of our listeners when we think about – 
being able to do tech support remotely or be able to offer tech support services. You know, you've had your customers come in trying to deal with your your site, your uh, membership site, right? And they don't know how to navigate it. And you're just like, all right, hold on, let me show you. And it's a one-to-one connection. You can easily jump in there. You send them a link. They can join right away. The plugins are really going away for the most part with a lot of people. They're able just to join and navigate. So there are those non-broadcasts. I like Zoom.us as well. They, I've used them for some other services. They're like a Google Hangout, I think, without the broadcast capabilities, right. which is interesting. We're talking about these tonight and the problems. Actually, YouTube has had a problems all night. <laughs> so everyone out there in the chat room, and, and Dave, you're funny. You said just blame it on you. So if you've ever hung yeah. out with us on Saturday mornings, you know we're always screwing around with new stuff. And it does stuff is not always working right when uh, we're together on Saturday mornings. Tonight, uh, Hangouts, which I tout whenever on Ask the Podcast Coach, whenever you and I are talking, and I always say to people, why are you trying to find something that doesn't need to be replaced? Hangouts works perfectly every time, except the Thursday night, <laughs> October 27th. The night we're going to talk about it. 2016. It's not, it's not working very well. You said this, Dave, a second ago. Hangouts is kind of your... I think de facto, would you say most stable, most reliable in most cases? And, and uh, that, that's, the, that's your kind of go-to in a lot of cases? Yeah, the, the plan I have in the back of my head, it's kind of like, okay, if you can beat this, then I will stay with you. Uh, but I thought I could take a, a hangout and I can make a link off my website, you know, askthepodcastcoach.com slash join. And then whatever the link is to join the hangout, just set that up every week. It takes two seconds. And people could join that way. The only weird thing is, is of course, then everybody could join. Well, we don't have that problem. And then the other thing is if somebody was, if somebody couldn't figure out how to leave, which again, it's the red button at the top. Um, and I, if I actually push them out, like you normally do with other platforms, they can then can't be back. They can't get back in. Once you get kicked out by the host, you're done. You're, you've been banned from the, uh, from that particular session. So, um, but I, that's what I always think. I'll probably end up with that unless I'm trying. Like, I'm I'm going to go back to Smile Time uh, this week just because it, it started off great. It's a, a free platform, and the recording, I believe, goes on Facebook. So you stream live to Facebook, which is kind of interesting. It, kind of interesting and kind of confusing because there's a chat room on Smile Time. And then, of course, obviously, there's the chat room and comments on Facebook. So you are already got your... Uh, attention split and uh but the the guy that runs it swears it's going to stay free forever and uh, i had used it for the first 20 minutes it was awesome you can have little polls with your audience and all sorts of other fun things there's a little green room where you can drag people in uh but uh it did about halfway through the audio just went wonky and never came back yeah it's interesting this this world whether and and then we mentioned another category you know so we've got kind of streaming op streaming options you can get guests in and stream it like we do here on yeah. on home gadget geeks we've got these non broadcast options to bring people in for maybe webinar webcast or tech support then Facebook live and maybe periscope fit into this this new category uh Facebook's really trying to dominate it, and of course these all have crossovers with each other, but of these for now, single threaded video off your phone, pushing live events going forward. Dave, in, in your experience, and Mike, I'm going to ask you the same question. Facebook Live is is 
a lot of people are using it, I, at least in my stream. I'm, I'm seeing my brothers popping up on Facebook Live now showing, like, hey, we're doing this barbecue party, you know, and, <laughs> and it was kind of cool. Dave, uh, do you think – I, I kind of thought that viewers would get or people who are on Facebook would get – that would get older, that would get tiresome, or they would get, you know, you know – Pictures are one thing, but video is another. Do you think that's the way we're going on Facebook, where everything's going to go video for the most part? Or, I don't know, interact with that a little bit. It's going to be interesting because I remember when I would read Facebook. Like, you would go down and you would read everybody's posts, and now everybody's post is a picture, and then you read the caption. And now when I scroll down Facebook, it's just, you know, whose video am I going to unmute? Because you just scroll down, and here goes somebody else talking and somebody else... So that's my whole thing. Everybody's doing it. It's just a matter of who are you going to listen to? And then you give them five seconds to grab your attention and like, ah, it's just a barbecue thing, whatever, next. And you keep scrolling. And it's interesting because so many people are on Facebook. It makes you wonder, like, what content are they really actually consuming? Because it's the stuff that you can scroll by to kind of go, okay, yeah, I can see, okay, so-and-so's grandma's in the hospital. And, okay, so-and-so's fighting cancer. And, okay, they're okay, they got engaged, good for you, but it, it's it's just this, it's almost like a Twitter feed. You're making your own. Yeah, there's there's so much of it out there, Mike. Well, but there's, it's been interesting because I've seen kind of this shift. There's a big attraction nowadays to seeing things that are very raw, unedited, real, yep. and interesting because as technology has gotten to the point where almost anyone nowadays can edit up a video and make it look pretty good and have some special effects and do some things, uh, people have started to actually focus on the content a little bit. And we just have a real attraction of things that are raw. I I've seen this personally just because this is my niche industry. Unlike podcasting, I've been now kind of shifting into vlogging and there's a big interest out there. People just watching jump cut, easy edit videos of people's lives and it's raw. It's, and if you have something interesting to say, if you're doing something interesting, people really like it. So I think the whole thing with live and the reason Facebook live has taken off uh, periscope, floundering a little bit, but the reason it's still around and doing okay is because people do like that organic, raw, non-edited, get down to what you're saying and just let me hear you talk. And then the live feature, I don't think it's so much about live. Um, it's about kind of the raw and unedited part, but the live feature adds in the interaction. That's when they can all of a sudden be like, hey, this is actually going on right now. It adds one more level of intrigue that I think brings people in. And you know, Blab alluded to this. I was just reading through their big post of why they left. And it was the the difference between, they had a difference between people just coming on there to hang out, friends came in to hang out, or they had the professional broadcasters who would be trying to get a message out to their audience and do broadcasting. So I think as we look at these, there's there's different uses for both. And when I'm going through Facebook Live, the interesting part that I found about me is I actually click on both styles of video. Um, Stargate Pioneer, uh, for some reason, his live videos show up in my feed all the time. And I'll click on those and I'll watch them for a little bit until I have to do something different, you know, get off the toilet or wherever I'm at, get up and leave. Um, but then I'll also click on, you know, Jim's brother doing a barbecue. I click on those type of videos too. So it's kind of interesting, but I think uh, the way people view and what they're looking for has really changed. And I kind of like seeing that shift. It's interesting to me. It's nicer for people like us, right? Because we're not, yeah. we, don't have to, we don't have to be so focused on the pristine editing anymore or the really cool effects or this and that because I don't think it makes as much of a difference as it did, you know, maybe even five years ago when all this stuff wasn't at a five-year-old's fingertips in an app that he can edit and make stuff look really cool. It's just, it's not wow anymore. 
So this is, it's a whole different style of a way to grasp people's attention. Yeah. I've seen a few people actually standing in front of a, like a whiteboard, you know, and, and they, they're, they're just using the, the built-in microphone on their camera and they're yeah. just, they do their thing. And it's like, it's, they're just talking to the camera and it's like, it works. It know? works. Don't you it's think it there. cycles a little bit though? Cause I get tired of raw content. You know, I, I sometimes I turn on like, man, if I got to listen to these people flounder their way through this thing before we get to really good content, I'm not going to listen anymore, you know? And, and, and yet I find, you know, then I'll like, man, I'd like to have something a little more real than, you know, these minute and 30 second vlogs. No offense, Mike. No, yours, yours a little <laughs> but these quick edited jump cut, you know, vlog pieces, it's like, yeah, I'd like a little more substance. So I don't know if there's a right thing, I guess is what I'm saying. I think it's, I, I do think there's so much content out there. If you can't find something to entertain you, you better check your pulse. <laughs> That's very true. Because, <laughs> man, there is, oh, there is so many and so much style. And just in YouTube alone, the content that's out there, there's a lot of great content. And there's a lot of junk, and you got to weed it out. That's probably the problem, right, is in the sense that because choices, the, the equation is that choices equal confusion, what, the more we just have more choices than we've ever had. At, at any time when we think about what we consume and we, we not, I mean, cable, we went from network, which was maybe seven stations to cable, which was maybe 300 stations at its peak to now an infinite number of channels on YouTube. Right. When we think about what you can watch out there, but there's multiple reasons. I don't mind that. Number one is a content creator, you know, being egotistical. I think my content's better than a lot of other people's out there. So when people come and all of a sudden watch one of my videos, they might say, oh man, this is a lot better than that other person who said they were vlogging. You know, it's, it's maybe that's a little different. And then they go and they watch Casey Neistat and they're like, man, that Mike guy is terrible. This guy's really good. <laughs> um, and then also I love the niche groups it creates, right? So like my wife and I are really into the flash. We just got into it. You know, we're a little late to the scene, but we're watching it on Netflix now. And we found, a, I found a whole new community on Twitter and everywhere else that's really into it. And so I think because there's that, it, there's no longer just the one show that everyone watches besides like American Idol, maybe, or a show like that, uh, which I kind of like. I think there's these cool little niche groups that form up around it. But I see what you mean, Jim, where now it's, it's just a lot of confusion on what you can watch. But if you know how to navigate it, I think that's, that's the thing. You know, I think one of the topics I talk with my dad a lot is they've been asking me about getting a streaming box and about connecting all this stuff. And he's like, well, I don't even have a Netflix account. I don't have a Hulu account. I don't have this and I don't have that. And how do I even watch stuff? And, and it, it, you're right. It leads to a confusion of where can I watch what I want to watch. Um, but for some other reasons, I don't, I don't think it's that bad of a problem. Dave, anything you want to add there? No, it is. It is amazing. I know when, cause I work from home and I go all ADD on it. I'll start off like today. I started off in Spotify and Spotify was just recommending things for me that I was just loving. It was awesome. And then a couple of clunkers came up. I'm like, all right, Pandora, you're up next. And uh, it didn't last very long. Pandora plays a lot. It knows what I likes, but I would, I wish it would sneak in some stuff that I didn't know, but liked. It's always like, here's another show. You know, it's like the same old stuff. And then I went from there to, uh, Netflix and Netflix is weird. They they're really getting into here's a bunch of TV shows and I'm like I kind of got Netflix to watch movies, right? And I'm kind of like you know, and then it's like here's a movie from John Cusack in '92 that went straight to DVD and I'm like, look, I like John Cusack, but come on, I, I go <laughs> to the terrible. Redbox. I'm looking at Redbox and I'm like, where are all those movies at? You know, yeah, Redbox is the is the new Netflix and yeah. Netflix is now Amazon Prime. 
which is and that's the other thing I was gonna say. That's and if, if I can't find anything on Netflix, then I go to Amazon Prime. And Prime's all television shows because they're easier to get, right? Yeah. The movies are harder and more expensive. And so a lot of these, a lot of for whatever reason, Redbox has figured out how to get the new stuff out there. Yeah. And I I'm think pretty- it's because they're using DVDs. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Well, and the thing that I want to punch Netflix in the face about is I have a queue for DVDs that I put in a very specific order. And it's like, I'm sorry, but uh, oh, it's not here anymore. I just mailed it back. But um, pop still getting DVDs. I was I just going to say that they still yeah. offer that service. Yeah, I have DVD because the, the stuff on DVDs comes out sooner than it comes to the Netflix. Yeah, you're right. And um, but the, it drives me nuts. I'm like, I have my queue and they'll send me like the fourth one down. Or a brand new sh- a grand- brand new movie will come out, and you'll see where it says there's slight weight and long weight. And I'm like, well, wait a minute. You're Netflix. I'm pretty sure you could get your hand on some more you know, DVDs so there isn't a short wait because it's a brand new movie. So, yeah, they need to get their their DVD thing. And But it is funny, though, because I, I, I laugh every time. I'm like, wait, what device? Do I have a device to watch this on? But all it takes, and, and someone needs to just fill me in because I'm sure I have something completely twisted of why has no one done the online version of a 99 cent rental per night like Redbox? Because the only reason I still go to Redbox is because I can get it for a dollar, dollar twenty nine now, whatever it is, return it the next day. And on iTunes, it's still through Microsoft because I rent a lot of stuff on my Xbox, still five bucks. Yeah. So I don't Amazon. know how it is on Microsoft, but on Apple, when I rent that for five dollars, as soon as I start it, I only have 24 hours. Yeah. Yep. So I'm getting, I'm doing the same thing. I'm just paying four more dollars for it. So why has no one gone and changed their prices? I think, to it's, a license, I think it's licensing models, right? I think I know Do they the, only the, allow that through the DVDs for like a cheaper I think amount the, when they license them to these companies, they only allow these kinds of, you know, cause they're charging more right. like, okay, so you're going to, if this is a new movie, you're going to charge more when it's new. Um, and I think uh, Redbox, because they don't stream, gets some other uh, considerations for their and they and and they're a little later. Uh, they they don't That's you true. know they're they're not always. I mean they're quick, but they're not the quickest. And I think because they're using well, but it shows up in iTunes and on the Microsoft Store the same day it shows up at Redbox. But you know, Ken says no late fees, and I've purchased three DVDs from Redbox because they fall behind the couch and I don't see them, and then I get notification from Redbox I've been charged twenty eight dollars, which is like the max or something like that. So yeah, th- that's another reason I would love to just do it digitally. Yeah, It'd be great. Yeah, well, it's still a little bit. Movies are still a little bit of that industry that's still a little weird when it comes to purchasing or renting or, you know, it's just not a straightforward. The music industry has gotten pretty, pretty even. You know, yeah, ninety nine cents or a buck twenty nine, something. Well, like and that. what's a what's a movie ticket going for these days? Because I think lot. that one is no. it okay. Well, it depends. We we have a really nice theater up the road here. Uh, you know, it's got a it's got the you know whatever the fancy yeah. stuff in it, and it's reclining seats, and you you can make a reservation. Oh, those are awesome, yeah. Which is incredible, by the way. Yes, that totally changed the way I went to the movies because I hate crowds and I hate fighting for seats. Yep, and to be able to rent a seat. Thirteen fifty a seat. Wow. That's a recliner, which is the yeah. best part. Yeah, yeah, no, right on. But it's still, I mean, these are not, you know, these are not, I remember it wasn't that long ago. We were paying five or six bucks. And You're going to say, I think the, the one a block and a half from me is about eight, nine bucks a ticket. Because I was like, shouldn't this be, shouldn't Amazon be quicker, you know, much cheaper? I'm with you than like five bucks. But uh, mm. yeah, I, I, we had one of those with a recliner and a bar. And I'm like, because when I'm sitting there eating popcorn, I'm thinking, you know what this needs right now? Jaeger. I'm like, wait, that just doesn't 
I need some Jim. I need some Jimmy B. Yeah, I'm like that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> hey, there's nothing wrong with a good Bud Light, Jim. You yeah. know, when you're when you're watching a movie, everything is wrong with that, Mike. <laughs> everything is wrong with the Bud Light. Um, well, it's interesting. So, like, you know, here I am. You know, I, I go to Redbox to get the the DVD for a yeah. buck or whatever it is, and then I'll drop fifteen dollars at the theaters. And oh, and by the way, it's another $15 for a bucket of popcorn. Oh, yeah, forget about it. Yeah, this is the popcorn where they get you, and the you know, no, they get you the whole way around. Yeah, don't, the whole don't, thing. I'm surprised they're not charging me to use the bathrooms. Well, they, they get you if you order your tickets online. There's a online, yeah, there's yeah. what Fandango charges. Yeah, convenience and, fee. And then you get there, and it's the popcorn and the, the bucket of coke. Oh, that you'll I'm never surprised drink. the soda isn't free, and the bath they charge you to get into the bathrooms. <laughs> and, you have, and at some theaters now, you have to pump your own coke. They're like oh, they just oh, give yeah. you a cup. Oh I'm yeah. Like, I'm oh, like yeah. seriously. Yeah. This the swanky one we go to has a just a a big soda bar, and you just go up to it and get what you want. And they have ices too, so you can get you know. You Is yours a Marcus? Marcus Gym? Theater. Yep, yeah. that's what our favorite Marcus out at uh, on Maples. Yeah. Same way. Yeah. yeah ours, ours had the 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 soda bar, which you would then go to and fill up your soda, and then realize you couldn't move because the whole floor in front of the thing was nothing but <laughs> you're stuck. <laughs> like, Try to leave your foot stuck in. It. <laughs> it's just it's just you end up. Well, it's interesting to say the least. Uh, just to kind of bring this back into. Yeah. into a full circle streaming <laughs> the uh when we think about streaming audio uh and sharing and podcasting and broadcasting and webcasts and webinars we're all involved in the target audience of my listeners just they're doing some form of it at work or they're doing some form of it in their small business or they're you know they're doing these things and i and i think we're in a very very unstable uh very confused market at the moment, Dave, is you and I have been messing around. Nobody can get pricing right. Nobody can get it figured out. It's expensive. I, you know, the next frontier is figuring out how to get cheaper and cheaper bandwidth. And I know it's coming down, but everybody is still complaining about how much it costs to stream video. And, yeah. uh, and these, these little providers, I'm certainly Amazon and Google and those guys have figured it out and they're getting, you know, pretty, they're probably getting pretty cheap rates, but these other ones, these small startups are all saying, oh, no, you know why? Because they're all using Amazon and Amazon yeah. is crushing them when it comes to the video streaming stuff. And even though they say it's cheap, we push a lot when we push video. It's not cheap. We do this for free on YouTube. So if you're watching the video right now, you know, I'm streaming this. I got another server right here that's running the video and it's streaming out. I'm pulling it in and we're averaging three or four or five up here on my network. That's a lot of bandwidth to be running for two hours. Yeah. It doesn't cost me a dime, which is another great reason to use YouTube for a lot of these things. Say we do the same thing at work. Oh, and I'm running an audio stream, although that doesn't take very much to run the Spreaker on that. But lots of um, lots of options out there for you. If you've got one in particular we didn't mention, love to have you send that to me, Jim at the average guy TV. Uh, Dave and I are always considering new options on Saturday mornings, uh, things that can be done. We'll try it. If it's going to break something, we'll try it. And uh, that's kind of <laughs> that's kind of our MO on Saturday, Saturday mornings. Dave, thanks for, uh, for saying yes to jumping on the podcast. We didn't specifically talk about podcasting, which is kind of amazing. I mean, we mentioned the word a couple times, right. but uh, didn't talk about it specifically. That might be a record. The longest you've been on a podcast and have not specifically talked about podcasting. It's, it's hard for me not to go there, but I, I, I tried. 
No, you did well. You did well. And so uh, thanks for coming on. Mike, good to see you again. I know we'll have you back next week with Aaron. We will. And then yep. it's going to get thin again for you, right? As your, uh, It'll as your get travel. interesting. But yeah. Yeah. Good. Well, congratulations again uh, yeah. with little Emmett. Yeah, Emmett, Thank you. Right? Yeah, Emmett. Did I get that right? Emmett, like that? That's not that's not football related, is it? No, okay. no. We should mention football in the post show, though. We should oh. talk about that. There's a, there's an interesting dynamic happening in our league. If, I don't know if you noticed, oh. but I'll mention it in the post show. All right, little post show. So, Dave, if you can stay around for a little post show action, sure. that, would be, that would be awesome. All right. Well, as we uh, as we head out, thank you guys for hanging out with us too in the chat room. We had some real problems tonight getting all the video working, and uh, assuming you, know, you guys can go back and watch the recorded version. But don't forget, if you want to financially support the podcast, we have the Patreon link out there. Just go to theaverageguy.tv, or I think you can use averageguy.tv slash support. That will get you there as well. One in $5 plans if you want to do that. We want to thank all the guys uh, that have uh, that have chosen to support us via Patreon. And let me I, I said I would read your name, so well, let me bring those up real quick as we're doing this. Dave, Patreon, speaking of that, Patreon has been a really interesting example of a way for small podcasters to get recognized and used, uh, I mean, and supported from that, from that standpoint, have you seen, I mean, it's, it just seems to work, you know, you can set a $1 plan or a $5 plan. You're using it with me. Any, yeah. are you liking, or is, I mean, you know, I just got booted from Amazon. I don't know if you knew that. Yeah. yeah. We talked about that on the show. We got booted. Um, so it's been a great way to get support. Have you liked where Patreon's going? Yeah, so far so good. Um, it's like anything else; you have to promote it to get people to to get there, and it really depends. I mean, some people go crazy with all these bonuses and things of this nature that uh, it makes it a little more. I mean, I myself, I get confused on wait, whose name do I read? Do I wait? No, do you? Yeah, you get the free T-shirt, you know that kind of thing. But it's it's slowly becoming just kind of a norm. Where before it was like, and, and everybody I know that that starts a Patreon account, they like. Well, how do I how do I do this without just like not begging for money? And I'm like, well, think of it like a sponsor. Only you're the sponsor, you know, and and right. give those features, benefits, and advantages, and explain that. And and you know, I said, and you know, I have one uh, for my weekly web tool show that you know it pays for my hosting. Nothing crazy there, you know, but that's fine. Yeah. You know, it was just I just threw it out there to like, hey, if you want to support the show, there's a way to do it. Did, and, and did somebody did somebody pick it up? Yeah. Oh. Ask and you yeah. shall receive. Brian Hour. Oh, I was going to say last names. Brian, Paul, Kevin, Michael, Justin, John, and Dennis. Thanks for your uh, thanks for your support, uh, and we appreciate you know who you are. Uh, and so we appreciate you guys. And and one in five dollar plans if you want to get jump in and get that done again. If you want to contact the show, you got ideas for us, or you want me to interview somebody, send that uh, information to me, Jim at theaverageguy.tv. It's really best if you. Help me make that contact that works as well. Don't forget that the AverageGuy.tv platform, both web and media hosting, is powered and supported by Maple Grove Partners. Get secure, reliable, high-speed hosting from people you know and trust. You know that's Christian. And for, for more information, head out to MapleGrovePartners.com. And, Dave, if you ever want to make Christian's day, just buy a $10 plan from Christian. He, <laughs> he so badly wants you to join his network. So if you ever get tired of your web hosting, Christian, that would make Christian say. He always say, "How? What's it going to be, Jackson? I want Dave. Dave, Dave just signed up to be a GoDaddy reseller. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, GoDaddy. All right. Yeah. Well, we, we'll uh, thank Roger out at WLMN Radio as well, Grafton, West Virginia, for broadcasting us and streaming us live out there each week. You can also listen to Home Gadget Geeks on the new Android and iPhone app. Not really new anymore, but 
to get the live and recorded versions available for you. One single app, head out, and we thank LastPass for their sponsorship of that. Head out to HomeGadgetGeeks.com to get that. I've been a little um, bad with the newsletter of late. You guys know I'm not super consistent in those areas. We'll try and get that another one out this week, but we appreciate it. You can sign up, TheAverageGuy.tv slash newsletter. We got a full slate coming up. Dave was on tonight. We got Aaron Lawrence coming back next week. Randy Cantrell the week after that. Rich Hay, who will be freshly fresh off the MVP Summit in uh, Washington, will be back. It's always good to have Rich on. He is going to get a full dose of Microsoft while he's on Thanksgiving week. No podcast, so we're taking that uh, we're taking that uh, week of that Thursday off. We never do it that week. Ross Brand is jumping back in. Ross, a podcaster, we're going to talk about his network and some of the fun things he's doing. Brian uh, Friedlander is coming back. He does assistive tech, and he's got some really cool things that he's going to talk about when it talks about that very specific technology around assistive tech. We moved Amber Gott down. So Amber from LastPass is coming on here on the 15th. And then John Larson's coming back from Maine. And John had that little camera. Remember that, Mike? Were you on for that one? Yeah. The, the camera. That was really cool. And John Larson's back. And that gets us to the end of the year. Holy cow. Where did, where did 20... Where did 20... I almost said 2015. Where did 2016 go? <laughs> Holy cow. Well, we're glad that you listen and uh, we're reminding everyone around here every Thursday night, 8 p.m. Central, 9 Eastern out at theaveragegui.tv live. We'll go into a little bit of post-show. And if you're listening live, hang out. And with that, we'll say goodnight, everybody. <laughs> <laughs>